Hello and good day, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Magic the Final Frontier. This is episode number 69, and on this podcast, we talk all about the Frontier format and soon the new. Oh, what is it called? Historic format. Yeah. <laughs> yes, gonna have to get used to that. We've been we've been talking about it, hyping it up as the new Arena Modern, the new Standard Plus, the new Frontier. But it sounds like the name going forward will be Historic. So we'll have a whole bunch of news on that real soon. We'll do a whole episode talking about the announcement and what it means for Frontier and for Historic. But for now, we've got the most fun thing in the world, which is new cards to talk about. So here I am with my two co-hosts to talk all about the new Magic 2020 set. You want to introduce yourselves, guys? I'll go first. My name's Ryan. I'm from Japan. That's good. <laughs> uh, this is your sometimes host, Matt Murday from Toronto, Ontario. Happy to be here, guys. All right. Welcome to the show. So we've got a new set. <clears throat> we've got some new cards, and we want to talk about how that's going to affect... I think mostly Frontier, you know. I think we just don't we have are, enough information well, to talk about Historic yeah. yet. But I think yeah, we should... I mean, historic right now is just going to be standard. We don't know when slash if it's going to move further sets back, so they we don't did. really have any lot of insight right they now. They did yeah. say that the Emma Cut block and Kaladesh block will be added eventually. We just don't know when it's going to happen. But as far as like how I made my choices today, it was partly because... Or sorry, partly for Frontier and partly for like this hypothetical... Uh, historic format. Yeah, I think we can call out some of those big things. Like, uh, this could be good in historic, but it's probably not going to be good in Frontier. Like, that sort of thing. I mean, I think I think you're giving them a lot more credit on the uh, Amon Cat coming back. I think they've been a lot more flaky on that than, than you keep saying, but uh, we'll, we'll see if it comes back. I, I'm skeptical. Yeah. I believe it will. As, I would love to see them go back to Shadows Over Innistrad, but I, I just... I. I, in my heart of hearts, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I don't know about Shadows, but Omnicat and Kaladesh seem realistic. Anyways. All right, so why don't we talk a little bit. I'm going to start us off by going over some of the big cycles. You know, all of our mythics are in cycles, so I think that's an easy place to start about what are most likely some of the impactful cards. I don't know about this set, if they'll be the most impactful let, let's go real quick over these Cavaliers, because these seem like, you know, big flashy cards, but I, I'm a little hesitant on them, so let's go right away into our five Cavaliers. So these are all two mana and three of their color for a Elemental Knight, and they have a Static ability, they have an Enter's Battle ability, and they have a When They Die ability. Um, any of these stand out to you? Any of these you want to specifically talk about? I I like the red one. You like the red one? So that one's the 6-5. It can give everyone plus one, plus zero in haste. Uh, you can discard any number of cards when it enters the battlefield. Draw the many cards, and when it dies, it deals X damage to an opponent where X number of lands in your graveyard. Yeah, I just like the whole idea of, of like this with like an, an elemental deck or you know, an escape ship deck or something like that. So when I think about Frontier, I don't think that red has a lot of more controlling aspects in Frontier. It's really hard for me to want to go deep into red so you, you can't even really play like a jeskai or grixis when it's a triple red cost is mm -hmm. th that's what seems difficult for me you know for all of these five drops in frontier the the bar is really high you know we've done a whole episode on specifically five drops before and all of these do a lot of things but i don't feel like any of these things does one thing very very well you know there's nothing that's just like a huge body there's nothing that's very hard to kill um, all of the enter the battlefield and leave the battlefield are like small benefits. So mm -hmm. for this, me, I think these are too grindy for Frontier. This I think has like the best, the best abilities of any of them. You know, you have the pay two mana, pump all your guys and give them haste. So whatever guys you play after him, you're gonna have haste. Be be big. The second one is great against control. It's like oh, you only have cards you can't use against control. You play him, discard you know four, you know five of those cards, draw five more. That's that's amazing. And then if he if he dies, if you have any of those things in the graveyard, you know, or the land in the graveyard, then you know maybe you're going to get you know a couple damage in there. That's probably only from what you discarded though. It's not going to be so great unless you have a devoted, you know, uh, land-based scapeship deck. Honestly, I actually think I like all of these in really small numbers. I think they're very fringe playable. I'm kind of with two of. I'm kind of yeah, I'm kind of thinking that five drops have those really high bar um, and yeah, it's going to be tough, but like on the same note, if we're talking about kind of going deep into red, I think there's actually good reasons in Frontier to go deep into red, um, as we kind of, and I think, so if we're looking at 
Um, this to me says there's a graveyard deck of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to be able to kind of make use of our discards, that kind of thing, um, which says to me something like Colagon's Command and like a grindy creature base. Um, mm-hmm. So if we're heavy in red, we might be looking at something like Rekindling Phoenix, um, Colagon's Command, maybe like just like some grindy creatures. Or what about like God Pharaoh's Gift? You know, you're just like drawing and discarding all this stuff in your graveyard, including your lands. I think God Pharaoh's Gift probably just has cheaper options to do all this with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, here I don't think this is this isn't going to blow the roof off. This isn't going to change anything. I want to experiment with this card because I think it's a fun card. Um, yeah. And I I think we're. I think in a truly like top level metagame, I think Teferi, uh, Teferi three is actually slowing the metagame down, mm-hmm. or it's what I would expect. Um, so I, I would see, I do see a little bit of flex coming in on these five drops if they can do something good when they come in, right? So they yeah, talking metagame wise with Teferi, he's also pushing out counter spells a little bit, which means that if you are a red deck, it's more likely you can just resolve a 5-drop. Whereas when you're saying, hey, I'm playing this against Control, I'm thinking, well, they'll, they'll just counter it. That seems easy for Control. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So with, with Teferi pushing out kind of both Control and slowing the format down a little bit, mm-hmm. I think there's a touch more room for 5-drops. Now, whether or not you'd ever actually play something like this over, uh, what is it, the Goblin Dark Dwellers or, or whatever other 5-drop you have in red, I, yeah, I don't, or like, some good options. yeah, if we're looking at like a, a Jund deck, even maybe we could be looking at Ashkana. So there's there's good options. I like this guy does some cool stuff though, and I actually what about think the other ones though. I actually think everyone except for the white one is fringe playable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the blue one is kind of like it's tough to justify going to the blue like the kind of deck that wants the blue one probably just wants Gear Hulk instead. Is my only real beef. Yeah, I can't really think that playing at sorcery speed seems better than Gear Hulk. Yeah, and Gear Hulk's just so pushed, so it's like, it's not really fair to expect things to compete with it. So, so what these cards can remind me of is like those kind of sweet targets that we had back when we had like Unburial Rites and like other graveyard, you know, return from the graveyard type effects. So if we get something like that in a future set, I think these cards can be really good. Okay. I don't think we're okay. ever getting a playable one. <laughs> like it's, a reanimator type yeah, deck. We're never, we're never getting like a cheap one. Like, I think five mana is the floor on those these days. But I mean, even like yeah, if we're looking a, uh... at Cavalier of Thorns, like I don't, I don't hate it just in like if we're going for like a ramp kind of deck. Yeah. Because I think it does like, it kind of does our game plan while, while building a board and like it has reach. So like that's pretty relevant mm-hmm. as like a defensive kind of building this wall. Because when you get to late game, you're going to win. Okay, let's move on from these knights, I think, because we have spent a lot of time on them. (laughs) We got a lot to go over. So we'll go over the next mythic cycle I want to talk about is the Planeswalkers. So there's actually seven Planeswalkers in the set. There's the five at mythic, and there's the two extra Chandras. So I think we should talk about... You know, I think I really personally like how they're designing these Planeswalkers. I think all of the mythic ones are playable, um, they're just kind of niche, so I think that they're all would be really strong in kind of a specific deck. Yeah, I'm not sure if that specific deck exists yet, but the power level is there, so I think these will all one day see some play. Oh, I don't know about that, man. I, there's two of them that I'm like I'm confident about. One of them that like looks good, but has some like big drawbacks that I'm concerned about, and two of them that I think are just like unplayable. Mm-hmm. All right, why don't we go like? What do you think is the best one then of the, the mythic planeswalkers here? It's a tie. We'll for talk me, about the other actually. Chandra's in a second. It's a tie. So I, I like both Soren and Chandra. Because hmm. so Chandra to me uh, is like uh, she's like six mana Chandra from BFZ, where yeah, and that was a very good card. Yeah, she was always kind of fringe playable because the big thing being with your six mana walkers is you need to stabilize the board when you play them. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of has a wrath. It's not quite as flexible as as, as the other Chandra who could go up to four. Um, that would kill her, but like, f- yeah. Four. But usually it was a minus three with that Chandra. So this one's also a minus three, but this leaves you at three loyalty instead of at one, which I think is a big difference. Yeah, yeah. And I think she also, obviously, the single target here, she can just kill anything. Basically, there's not a mm-hmm. lot of things that can survive her minus five. If you, mm-hmm. so that's better probably against a single creature. I feel like in some ways the old Chandra was better at taking out planeswalkers. Maybe they're comparable, but, you know, she could plus and do six to a Planeswalker on an NFT board. So that that was always something that was very good about her. 
I mean, yeah, I think in the grand scheme, like this, this one's just a lot better because like the can't be countered on a six drop is huge, yeah. and her uh, her plus is just so inevitable, mm-hmm. and being a plus two as well, right? Um, so she can conceivably come down and go straight to eight and establish an uninteractable win condition for you while she does it. So, yeah. so even if they have like, if you're in a control list and they have like a bit of board, you know, like they have maybe four or five power on the board, um, but you're not at risk of dying. I think you can you can pretty comfortably just plus up and say, what are you going to do? All right, so you and I will try like a white-red list again. You know, I would love to make one of those deck lists work. I just haven't had a lot of luck with controlling red decks in front of me. I've actually been looking at a Jeskai Planeswalker de- list that I've been pretty happy with uh, okay. that I'm using her as a top end for. Excellent. I'll have to check that out. That sounds pretty cool. So you you think Soren's probably the next best one. Now, yeah. I'm very interested in Soren. I've been trying to say that vampires are, you know, so close. maybe fringe playable. Yeah, they were so close for a long time. They've they gotten some need... lords, they've gotten some better mm-hmm. mana now, and this card's really cool. You know, It's a lot of power. Plus one to do three to anything and gain three life is a huge ability. Um, the death touch lifelink plus one plus one permanently is a huge ability. Now the minus three, you're putting a vampire card from your hand onto the battlefield. Is that one good enough? What is that one putting into play well, for you? That five mana one that you know does damage to you to the number of uh, vampires you have and then draw that many cards... Yeah, I've seen that in standard be played. So I think yeah. but what I'm more is, interested in is is three mana Kalidas leave behind a planeswalker. That seems pretty gross. Yeah. No, see, I, I have a little I have a little hesitance with both of those. I feel like the aggressive vampire deck, you know, playing the Lord and a lot of one drops and things, isn't really going to be playing Kalidas. And I think if you don't have Soren, that five mana one's not good enough in Frontier. So I, both of those make me a little little edgy. I think with Kalidas, it's I think you still play it. In, even in the aggro list as your top end, and I think the reason for that is um, I don't think Dredge and Atark are going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's your it's your out, and I think you're right. And if I wasn't about, playing, like before this Soren, I wouldn't have been playing Kalidas. I think the fact the that I can... Well, I think the fact that I can place Kalidas beside this guy, that's what turns the tables on Kalidas for me as like a card in one of these go-wide aggro lists. Okay, there's just a lot at four mana in vampires, I think. So that, that makes me a little... That's where it's been hard to fit in. You know, there's Alenda, there's the one that makes three vampires, there's two different Sorens that are very good. What about the five mana vampire, the Pariah, the Valdarian Pariah, that you put it into play, you can sack three uh, creatures, and then the opponent has to sack three of their own creatures when it flips? So I'm big on that card. It's a very powerful card, but both this and both that and Soren are asking for a lot as far as tokens, and I don't feel like there's great ways to make vampire tokens. Yeah, I kind of feel like that, ways. that's a great card at breaking mid-range and, and maybe mm-hmm. some go-wide lists. We I think... To aristocrats! Well, I, I really like it. I, like It's it's undeniably powerful. Um, I've called it the Black Avacyn before. Mm. Yeah, it's just like, it's hard to... I guess there's just not very often metas where that's good, right? Because like... Mm-hmm. It's a lot of control. It's a lot of ascendancy. Dredge doesn't really care, you know. Like if you, if you, oh no, you put my stuff in the graveyard, you know. Ooh, if you flipped it against uh, ascendancy when they're trying to combo, that would be mean. It would be mean, but I think it's also <laughs> like that's yeah, that's may- pretty long shot. Maybe it saves you. Maybe not. You know. Yeah, it's only like three or four cards in play. If one land, they can survive. Okay, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the other planeswalkers? We shouldn't get held up too long. What do you think about Mu Yan Ling? So it's a three mana walker, which makes me interested. She's the two mana or two loyalty, can only plus up to four until your next turn. One target creature gets minus two, minus zero, and loses mm-hmm. flying, kind of like Jace, but a plus two, um, minus three to make a four four elemental bird with flying, and can minus eight with emblem for islands you control have tap draw card. Mm-hmm. It's a good control card. I mean, control's going to slow you down so you can get to that minus eight, or you can do that minus three multiple times. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this buys a lot of time. I've got to, I've got to feel like this buys a ton of time. I feel like this is more of a mid-range card, um, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is like her downtick doesn't actually do anything if you're like if you're if your whole control deck is built to blank their removal, mm-hmm. you're just giving them targets, you know. Um, and uh, if you're depends. against red, that minus three is really nasty. You know, four four flying, it blocks copter, it, it eats anything but their best removal spell. You know, that's fair. Um, I see her a lot 
a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels between her and Liliana, the Last Hope, because mm-hmm. um, she she kind of comes down early, um, protects herself with her uptick, so she has like really good ultimate pressure. Um, yeah. Her ultimate, if you ever get there, is going to generate um, insurmountable cards advantage. advantage. Yeah, 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 both of them, and then her downtick generates um, kind of grindy board presence, right? Um, yeah, I'd say, you know, especially in a control list, her minus probably isn't as good, but I've seen Liliana played in decks with zero creatures in them. So the fact that people are playing it just for the plus on Liliana and the ability to ult makes me think that you Mu Yanling has some potential. I think that's wrong yeah. if you're playing if you're playing Liliana in a list with no creatures. I, I, I know, agree, but I've seen it. Uh, so. I've seen it too. It doesn't mean it's right. Um, I think she's gonna be better like in the Soul Tire Grixis builds. So I mean, I guess I guess my concern here. So like, there's 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 advantages over Lily too, where like um, when Lily generates her you know kind of grindy card advantage, um, you still yeah. have to cast that card, right? So the, the you're probably going to get better than a four four flyer, but you're going to have to spend mana on it, right? So she's more tempo positive. But the thing that okay, let's go let's go on and talk about a Johnny a little bit because I think that maybe this is maybe one of the ones that's least likely to see play only because of its casting cost of two and two white, which is the same cost as Gideon. So mm. that makes it awkward. But, you know, hey, he, he puts a 2-2 into play just like Gideon. Is this just Gideon's 5-8? through eight? But his 2-2 two, two is basically going to be amazing in, like, some kind of Soul Sisters type deck. Like if, yeah, if but... If you have a Devoted Life game deck, it could exist. There's definitely a couple cards from the set that could support that type of... that type of, uh, how do I say, strategy... So I, I did want to call this out as one card that I could see a life gain deck existing in should put it, historic that doesn't exist in Frontier. Yeah, Frontier probably Also not. Also, Gideon wouldn't be in historic, so that, yeah. that makes an opening for a Planeswalker at four in white. So, so some think, kind of like black-white Soul Sister deck in historic. I think even aside of Gideon, I don't even know if, if uh, we'd be playing Gideon anymore. I've, I've really lost a lot of... Uh, I don't feel like Gideon's, Gideon's as good as he used to be. I feel like there's a lot more removal floating around for Planeswalkers specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. I think if we've got, you know, we've got a, a vehicles deck coming out of Kaladesh, I could see an Ajani in that deck. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think he's good either is the problem, right? I think at that cost, a lot of these White Walkers don't do enough for you. But he's um, huge as well. You're not going to kill him through, through damage either. I don't, I don't know if I'd say you're not, but I you're, you're right. He does come down and can immediately plus to six, which is not nothing. Yeah. Um, that said, I think I think even if we're going to see a Soul Sisters list, they're looking to be more lean than, than this guy. Okay, let's jump over to the other side. The last one is Green Vivian, four mana, four loyalty. Um, can plus one to put two plus one plus one counters between one or two creatures. Um, they gain trample another turn. Minus three to have a creature you control fight and uh, Neil deal damage to its power equal to a creature or planeswalker, and can minus five to search your sideboard for a creature card and put it into your hand. I like this. Like if we don't, for like in a historic, we don't end up getting like the voice of uh, Zendikar, then this voice of Zendikar mm-hmm. in like some kind of of uh, hardened scales, scales deck. Then yeah. I, could, I could see this possibly taking over that that uh, how do I say that role. I don't know. This card's unbelievable garbage. It's. I think this card is. If I were to pick a card to say that it's, um, not like a, an undervalued. There's a word that I'm thinking of where it has the potential to spike. Like I could see buying a bunch of the copies of this card for cheap, mm-hmm. and hoping that it spikes. I, I think that it's a lot undervalued, and I think that maybe Matt, you're beat, you're falling into this. Ignore the last ability, and this is a very strong planeswalker. Like if she didn't have a minus five. This planeswalker is powerful. I don't agree at all. I just think, I mean, the only place I have tested it is scale. So, admittedly, that makes her plus one seem far more powerful. But if I'm putting two power and toughness onto the battlefield, that's that's as good as a Gideon, and that's on a plus. Yeah, and but that's her minus is removal for creature or planeswalker at only four mana and a repeatable. Yeah, but like those are both abilities I really like. Gideon, so I sorry, Gideon puts it like a body onto the battlefield, right? Whereas, like, this is. <sighs> It doesn't do anything on its own is is the problem with it, right? Like, um, if you're against a control list bringing out your grindy planeswalker, mm-hmm. right, and they just they just shoot you off the board as they do, this card does nothing. It's 
And like for your four drop planeswalker, you just you need to be generating unconditional value, and this card just mm-hmm. doesn't. Right. So even let's let's even look at the the condition of a control. This versus into a control deck, right? The minus mm-hmm. three does absolutely nothing ever. I mean, what control deck isn't running planeswalkers right now? I guess that's true, actually. All right, all right. Yeah, that or planeswalker <laughs> um, is, is good. Bit. The or planeswalker is really good. I still think it's it's wishful thinking. I think I think this card, if, I think this card could have seen fringe play at three mana. It'll it'll show up in some sideboards most likely. For what? Like, what do you what do you bring this to in grab, for? To grab, I mean, to like grab your uh, what do you call? Them? Well, like if you're a green deck and you don't have a lot of ways to get rid of planeswalkers, I could see her coming in for that, and as well as grabbing your other sideboard cards. You don't have to like sideboard everything in. You can just do her minus, I mean, grab it, and then I play think, it. All right. I do think the minus five is overrated too, because like minus five is like it's not like the new, the four mana Karn, right? Four mana mm-hmm. Karn just comes down and just grabs whatever you need, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Having to go up to five and then find something is pretty pretty rough. I do like that in the matchups where she's bad. Otherwise, like you're saying, in a control matchup, if I can minus five and grab a Carnage Tyrant every time, that seems decent. Yeah, but you can't. That's the problem, right? Like if you, yeah, if if this if that was a minus four, I'd be like, okay, okay. So she tutors whatever I need in that situation. Versus control Carnage Tyrant, sweet. I love Carnage Tyrant. Hmm. So, guys, just to let you know, I do have to head off to the pre-release in about half an hour here. So, All right, we're not going to be too long. We might not go over everything this time. We'll, we'll try and get the, the big things. Okay. I'm just going to say, last note, I said the last Vivian was good, the the five-mana one, and no one really believed me, and then that spiked hard, so yeah. maybe you guys should listen to this one. <clears throat> Probably not. Um, okay, there is another cycle here at Rare that I'm mostly going to brush over. Uh, I was going to say the legendary creatures, okay. um, the the iconic creatures. You know, there's an angel, a sphinx, a demon, a dragon, a hydra. They're all kind of huge and probably going to ignore them. I love See, the I'm hydra, but he uh, is bad. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm going down the like mythic spoiler page. So we, you, we you the know, panharmonicon uh, elemental seems like it could be combo worthy in the future. Ah, uh, yes. So that's the. Um, those are the other mythics. The last five are all in wedge colors, which, as a frontier player, did excite me. They didn't end up being huge. You know, I was most excited for an Abzan Legend, and I think he's mediocre. You know, he's 3 mana, 3 4, makes your legendary spells cost less, and can bring back legendary spells from the graveyard, maybe. I guess the big thing, so I think there's one big thing that keeps him kind of where he is right now, and I think in the context of Frontier, Abzan doesn't have like a really good 5 mana Planeswalker or hard carry in the late game. Mm. Five or six mana, you know, if they had six mana Elspeth, I would be excited about that. I think six mana is a lot to go up to uh, in a format where control can often be dominant. Um, sure. And I think just because it's, it's it's a lot harder to bridge that for slower decks, whereas um, you could still get some value out of that card versus Tarka if you're kind of slowing the game down, using your removal, uh, dropping mm-hmm. a Rhino to stabilize your health. Uh, and now we're going to close the game with our our, our late game hard carry, um, but it kind of feels like the best you have is Vivian, the five mana Vivian, who's okay. not bad. But like, let's say we're against control, right? Um, so they're going to be dropping torrential gear hulks at that stage in the game, and we don't have any creature that we can get with Vivian that are actually going to power through a gear hulk. It, the rhinos are just going to run into her and die, run into it and die, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. and that that's the big problem with with Vivian is that in Frontier anyway is that she just all of Abzan gets walled in the late game by a Gearhawk and Control's just going to have that. Okay, um, I was going to keep going with one more big cycle here that we do really need to talk about is the Leyline cycle. So most important one I think that we have to talk about is the Black Leyline, Leyline of the Void got a reprint here it is it really really hurts graveyard decks yeah it is about time goodbye yes. <laughs> dredge well if well we maybe hopefully if we, we, we said it before but keys. hopefully <laughs> <laughs> um so we also got the white one which i think is interesting it's you have hex proof and we haven't i haven't really gotten a chance to test it yet i don't know quite the white deck that wants it but i've got to feel like something does I mean, I have to feel like it, it like it's just a solid card against Tarka. Like, yeah, I don't mind. I think that's a, just a good sideboard card. 
Um, so the it's blue not, one. It, oh yeah, sorry. Sorry, Sanctity isn't isn't quite as soul crushing against Atarka mm-hmm. as Leyline of the Void is versus uh, Dredge, Dredge, right? So, it, like obviously, Leyline of the Void is the star of of this cycle, but uh, I'm pretty happy to have Sanctity as well. Okay, how about Anticipation? I think that one's kind of a reprint for, you know, it needed to be reprinted for older formats. I don't see anything wild to do with this. You know, it's not really worth a card to give all your stuff flash. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's like... Especially if you don't have it in your opener. Yeah, it's just like... The kind of deck that would want to play that effect doesn't want to go down on cards on like mm-hmm. to do it. You know, like, just it's, it's not worth a card disadvantage. Well, someone was saying yeah. Vivian kind of did the same thing in green. I'm guessing, like, some kind of green-blue deck is going to rather play Vivian, right? Yeah, or, or, or the Fairy if you're or blue and white. Yeah. Um, now, how about the green and red? Those are both the two new ones. So the green one is whenever you tap a creature for mana, add an additional green, and it also can pay eight to put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. And then the red one is whenever at least uh, whenever you and or at least one permanent you control becomes target of a spell or ability your opponent controls, you do two damage to that player. I like that one a lot. I think they're both playable. Yeah, I mean, the red one sounds really good if you have it in an opener hand against control. Yeah. I worry a little bit if you don't have it in your opener. Now, keep in mind, we will be moving to a London Mulligan, which makes it a little easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I also think we're if you're if you're putting any of these in your sideboard, you're putting four of them in, right? Like this mm-hmm. isn't hmm. this isn't a two of or a three of. You're it's all or nothing. Huh. That that's pre- I feel like if you're gonna run less than four of these like you just run better options right so we're gonna talk about another uh graveyard hate set we got or graveyard hate why don't we jump right into that the uh so you're talking about another reprint here which is graph digger's cage yeah yeah and if you're gonna run two graveyard hate cards you're probably running this instead of leyline okay okay unless if you're something like a gear hulk deck which wouldn't want to have graph digger so i know one thing that i've learned you know from playing frontier over these last few years is that you really don't want to put too much of one card in the sideboard. The silver bullets, I mean, yes, it totally crushes one deck, but you don't want to, like, how do I say that, pigeonhole yourself, but limit yourself to other possible strategies that could harm you. So Grafdigger's Cage plus Void is the much better combination, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm un- unclear what you mean, Grafdigger's Cage plus Void. So, like, if you're, if you, like you were saying, we had to play four uh, Ley Lines, if you're going to play Ley Lines... I, I don't think you'd want to play. I don't think ley lines are worth four spots, in my opinion. If you're bringing it in, it's because you want it in your opening hand no matter what. Any card disadvantage you get after that is going mm-hmm. to be less than the card disadvantage your opponent is getting from it. And at right? the same like, time, like we said, we have the London Mulligan. I don't feel like we need four as much. Yeah, I, it's tough. It, it isn't as backbreaking as... You know, something like Legacy, where you can put four of them in your deck, even with no way to hard cast it. Mm-hmm. But I love Graph Digger, Digger's Cage, though. It, not only against Dredge, but also against, like, the... Uh, someone was saying it also stops... It stops uh, Aetherworks as well. Yeah, this, so it stops Aetherworks, it stops Coco, it stops Cord. Huh. Um, it, it does stop... You know, it stops Gear Hulk, but I don't think you would use it for that. I mean, I don't think I'm using it for for Coco either, you know? I don't really want to... I'm not bringing in cards to turn off just four cards in their deck, right? Because they're still going to have... Yeah, just like you don't bring in Artifact Removal just for Copter. Uh, yeah. It would be awkward to do that. Maybe if they have, like, Rallier as well? But yeah, yeah. Probably not. If that. they have, like, multiple ways to, to, to get hit by the effect, absolutely. I never mm-hmm. thought about bringing it in against Marvel, though, right? Because as much as I just said... They only have four copies of Coco. They're only going to have four copies of Marvel, too. But their deck's going to be more all-in on, on Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Marvel doesn't exile at first, right? Because I know that you know it does get around. This doesn't stop something like light up the stage. No, I don't believe it does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it stops the um, experimental frenzy, but it doesn't stop light up the stage. So kind of awkward there. Yeah, that's Just the way that it's worded. Okay, I'm going to move us... Well, where do you guys want to go next? Uh, do we want a quick talk about the land cycle as long as we're kind of yeah, in the, the colorless discussion? Yeah. Um, so we got a reprint of the temple cycles, but just the enemy colored ones. Yeah. Um, mean, so anyone who didn't see these, yeah, they're uh, you know two color, they come into play tapped, and when they enter the battlefield, you scry for one. 
I think they're bad in stand, or Frontier. <laughs> they're just like... Control's going to want to play them. You think so? I think we just have too much... Too much. Our mana bases are too good in Frontier for these. Yeah, especially I think in enemy colors. If I wanted to slow myself down in enemy colors, I'd probably go with one of the manlands. Yeah, I mean, like... And even then, I never want to play the manlands anymore. They're just... Oh, interesting. Well, this... historic these cards are going to be better, right? Yeah, I could see these being, like, one or two of some control decks in historic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm still not in love with that concept, but, like, I think it, they're okay. I think, oh, And I like the art on these a lot more than the original, I think. Yeah, really nice art, for sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with them. Okay, how about the other rare lands? There were two other rare lands. There's Field of the Dead and Lotus Field. So I have a question for you guys. Do you think Field of the Dead is what Scapeshift has been missing in Frontier <laughs> slash Historic? Um, I'm really interested to play with it. I think it, playing a five-mana spell that is kind of dead to counter spells. even if we're looking at a format where Teferi is suppressing counter spells, I'm a little bit nervous about. Or how about in a ramp deck? Could this be good for ramp? So I was actually testing it earlier in a control slash ramp deck, and I did like it there. You know, we were ta- you and I were talking about it, Matt, and uh, I think it's quite powerful. Once you've got it out, it really powers things out. I think more in Frontier than it will in Historic, just because fetch land getting two zombies is huge, especially in a place where a fetch land would have been dead as your eighth or ninth land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for this card. I, I want to try it in like a variety of ways. I think, like... Mm-hmm. As much, yeah, it makes me nervous to talk about Scapeshift with it because, like, there are some vulnerabilities. Uh, but I don't think that's that, I'm not that's not me saying give up on Scapeshift in this card. Like, I could see it along with like Power of Promise, um, and like you know some of the the other uh, how can I say uh, utility yeah, those ramp lands. Spell. Yeah, from... I think in in Historic, I'm definitely gonna try that deck. I think yeah. in Frontier, there's maybe other options. Although I also yeah. do think that this will be weakened without fetches. A so, because you don't have the ability to get two, and B because you can't you, you can't diversify your lands quite as much without fetches. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what I'm looking at with this card is I, I want to look at something a little more controlling, and then kind of incidentally uh, weaponizing the ramp I have that would otherwise mm-hmm. be dead in the late game. Um. So, like, maybe if we're looking at something like Salti with uh, Growth Spiral, Death Sprout, and then, like, some kind of conventional ramp and just some, con- like, standard control spells, maybe Languish, Fatal Push. Okay, okay. I, I don't know how good that is, but that's that's where my mind's at with it. Why don't we move away from our cycles and let's kind of go into... Did we not want to talk about, about Lotus Field? Oh, yeah, we can talk about Lotus Field here real quick. Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty big one. Um, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think of this? Because, like, it, it has some pretty hard limits built in. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's some undeniable power here. Mm. I don't want to be doing anything fair with it, I feel like. Like, I don't think it's great just to, you know, it doesn't actually ramp you. So, I mean, I guess where I'm at with it is... Um, I want to be untapping this. I want to have effects that untap this. Um, so if I'm hmm. if I'm playing this, let's say I go, uh, you know, Dork turn one, Kiora turn two, this turn three. Um, untap it, play another three. Yeah, you just like, and then just start like using Kiora to untap it a bunch. Uh, and I don't know if Kiora is the right way. I mean, obviously we have uh, Hero of Dominaria. Uh, that does that uh, wilderness reclamation. There's a lot of ways to mm-hmm. get that kind of mana, or that kind okay. of untapping. And I don't know if those, I don't know if those tools quite get there. But like the hmm. tapping for three mana is a lot. Like we can, ab- there are ways to abuse it. Okay, yeah, Nexus could 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 uh, use this. I think for sure. Interesting. All right, why don't we jump away from talking about cycles and going into some of the specific cards we think are really powerful. And uh, you want to give us a time check here? What do, what do you got as far as time, Ryan? I got about 15 minutes before I have to leave. All right, why don't we all pick maybe three, two to three, and we'll just go in a cycle here. Uh, if you want to name a card, I'll name a card. 
You mean like a card that, might that be what I we have to talk do. about, you think? Yeah, a card that you really want to talk about. There's something you really think is going to have some kind of impact. You guys can go first. I'll have to look for it. All right. We um, already talked about a lot of the ones I wanted to talk about already. So. All right, I'm going to go with one of the cards I think has got to be near the top of the most impactful from the set, even though it's only for one deck, is Imperion Eagle is a card that I immediately saw, and I was like, oh, wow, that's going to be huge. So that's one white-blue... 2-3 Flying Bird Spirit, and mm. other creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one. So as far as the Spirits deck, the, you know, the Bant Spirits deck, every card in it has flying, this is a Spirit, it's another Lord. So now that deck has two Lords, this is a very powerful Lord, that's a huge buff for the deck, and I think that this card alone is really going to put it into the Tier 1. It's not only in Spirits either, I think, just like, what well, with Shadow's Ministry, had, I... During Shadows of Innistrad Standard, I believe we had the Blue White Flyers deck. You know, it's uh, Spell Queller. We also had Smuggler's Copter and Selfless Spirit. So there's tons hmm. of good stuff that you can also play with the um, what do you call it? the uh, vehicles as well. That's interesting. interesting. So that would tell me to say that would make me say, hey, maybe I should be playing Copter instead of Coco. Yeah, I mean, I feel like hmm. Coco is so good in that deck too. Though I was playing it earlier today. Um, just to get a feel for it, and I was like, I was actually oh, yeah. shocked at how big that board got. Like, it's just like, because you have uh, what is it, eight lords at this point? Yeah, and they, you know, they just do so much damage in the air. Yeah, and it's, they're all flyers, so it's like basically if you don't have uh, board wipes, it, it gets really out of control. And then the board wipes get stopped by Swellfless Spirit as well as Mausoleum Wanderer. Yeah, yeah, there are some some issues for sure. Okay, I have a choice of card, or I have a choice okay. of card to talk about. I think Risen Reef could be really good in a certain deck, like Landfall hmm. or, or something like that, or even Elementals. I mean, that card screams your name, Ryan. Yeah, it really I does. We all yeah. said it. <laughs> like, I, I played, I told you guys, like, I played like Soulti Scape shit um, mm-hmm. a couple seasons ago, and just it never quite got there. I just couldn't, couldn't like, it was too, too fair of a deck. So I need something where, you know, I can just keep on playing, you know, lands, 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 and then trigger, trigger, trigger. So I, yeah, well, I think that wanna, card has a lot If of you want to play this with some jank or with some historic, uh, some jank standard or historic, I was playing with Risen Reef and Yaruk, the uh, the Sultai legend, in a Gates deck. was having some fun with that. Yaruk, what's Yaruk? Oh, the new one? The Sultai yeah, guy? he works with lands as well, so yeah, you yeah, can get yeah, like yeah. six land, or six gain off that. He's a Panharmonicon, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, he's better than Panama. Yeah, go go ahead. I I've seen this played in standard when it gets like when it really runs away, it really runs away. Yeah. Um I There's think for Frontier be, yeah. three mana is a lot to ask for what this does. Because um, we're looking at like we've talked before about stuff like Elvish Mystic and how it's like we're not excited to play Elvish Mystic, you know? It's or not Elvish Mystic, mm-hmm. uh oh, Elvish Visionary. Visionary, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's a fine card. Um, but kind of at its at its root level, this is what that is. But it costs one more mana. All right. Well, as far as living the dream, if you hit two of these off a of Coco, you draw four. It is that is disgusting. No two ways about it. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. is there enough? Are there enough elementals at, at three or less mana? We we got to do a search. I I don't think so. I think that's the big problem is that having to build around elementals. Yeah. Um, I think there's they're just not lot. support. There are a lot, but there's not a lot of Battle good for ones. If for, in Frontier, I mean, there's, there's holy moly. Ones. It, Battle for Zendikar colors. was like the the elementals in that set were so bad, man. I know, I know. The three mana that gets a counter whenever you get a land into play, and you can move counter to. I mean, he's like a he's like a goblin like rebel master, but worse. Yeah, it's just like there's. I don't know, man. I'm. But I hope. Anyways, I hope I'm wrong. We'll do the math. We'll do the math later. I love the jank, so that's one card that I'm kind of excited about. All right, what do you got for me? Uh, so one thing I'm I'm kind of surprised you guys haven't wanted to talk about yet is Corpse Knight. Mm. It's one mm. one white, one black, uh, for a zombie knight, 2-2. Two, two. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. Yes, uh, you know it's an interesting card, and it's Aristocrat's card, which I think both uh, Ryan and I is it Aristocrat or is it Rally? Well, it's always Rally. I think there's no reason either, yeah. to be Aristocrats over Rally. Now, if you're going Rally with this, are you going Zombies? Yeah, just black, that, that's what's interesting to me is that um, previously Zombie Rally um, 
had some issues, you know, like it just wasn't quite there with uh, being able to get this effect reliably enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now it has this, and it has the other. It has a zombie that does the same thing, basically. Yeah, Whatever. yeah. So, um, so that's where I think where we're hitting a point where maybe zombie rally could be could be making a comeback. So I think I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What about oh, like a black white token? Um, I like black white tokens. I don't know if I'd find a spot for him because he doesn't actually make more tokens. So he'd be really bad when you don't have the engine going, and when the engine's already going, he's kind of just extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think of that with like secure the waste or some you know some of those other really good you know value cards, and I yeah, I see mm-hmm. I think he could be a so, good part of that. So I'm really sorry to say this, but I actually have like way more than three cards I need to talk about. Oh no, that's fine. We'll go for as long as Ryan will give us time. And then he'll run away and we'll do the outro on our own. Right. <laughs> so that'll be perfect. What was the revolt black-white uh, enchantment? Oh, the that? token thing. Stockpile? Yeah, so a hidden stockpile. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that I like that card. I like that card a lot. All right, I'm going to go into a big, big boy, which is our three-mana Rotting Regisaur. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is the 7-6 uh, for three, and the quote-unquote drawback is that you have to discard a card at the beginning of your upkeep. Oh, darn. So 7-6 is obviously a ridiculous amount on 3 mana. Yes. Um, what I want to know is how... What are, what tools are we using to make this disadvantage not a disadvantage? How are we How are we abusing this? So, that's the question. Is Do we need to abuse it? Is it okay if it's just, you know, in a normal deck and that's it? Or do we need to be, like, really playing Madness cards or playing Scrap Heap mm. Scrounger, things like that, which can uh, take advantage of it? If you want to see that, I've already tried, you know, an all-in version, but so I don't know if it needs that. I like, uh, I actually really like, I just thought about it, it's Honored Hydra with this. Oh, yeah. So Honored Hydra is like, it's like something stupid. It's like six mana for a 6-6, six, six, but then no, it like, has Embalm yeah, 4. War, basically. Um, so you can get a you get it from the graveyard for four mana. So it's just a four mana six six. So if I'm if I'm curving that into this and using like the discard to actually kind of cheat it, that's a lot of power really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's got to be ways. So I, I'm 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 pretty interested in this card. I'd like to see what people do with it. I haven't found a way to break it yet. I got to tell you that you know you play a seven six, it walls a Tarka. Like, I thought Gurmag Angler did a good job at walling Atarka. This guy's even bigger. That's interesting. So, I have another choice, if you guys don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys know I love Jinx, so I'm just going to keep going with my Jinx selections. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, that's fine. Bish- Bishop of Wings. So, like, I played Black White Angels before. It had a lot of potential. Too slow in Frontier, though. There's just, you know, it wasn't stopping, you know, like, these really fast decks. But if it got past, like, turn four or turn five... It was, like, unbeatable. And what Bishop of Wings does, you know, it's a 1-4. It totally stonewalls any of those really early, you know, go-wide strategies. And then you play mm-hmm. uh, that three mana. That, I think it was Reclamation Angel or something like that. Angel of Vitality, I think, is what you're thinking about. No, but that, no, I that's think you're thinking the, of the... Uh, M19 oh, Yeah, the one that, if you've gained five... Oh, more, okay, yeah. Turn. So you play this guy turn two, you play her turn four, you get a 4-4... Four, four, sorry... Sorry, you get four life, plus you have a 3-3 three, three in play, and if you're, you know, your angel dies, you get, you know, body from it. It's just, it seems like value mm-hmm. in, in an angel's deck. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to brew with this one. I mean, at some point you got to figure that a Soul Sisters type deck is just going to get there, right? Like, Resplendent well. angel, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I actually, so in our list here, uh, our little cheat sheet, I put it right beside Angel of Vitality, which I think kind of mm-hmm. fits in this discussion. Where it's yeah. a three mana flying two two, if you would gain life, instead you gain that much life plus one instead, um, mm-hmm. and it gets plus two plus two as long as you have twenty five or more life. So you're gonna do all this, and you're not gonna let my uh, Gideon get on the list. Huh. I mean, like three mana is, I think, is better than four, right? Like that's sure, yeah. It is like, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe that's crazy of me, and maybe maybe Angel of Vitality isn't good. I think mm-hmm. Bishop of Wings has like a. Being a one four for two is, is a pretty big deal against some of the aggro lists. Yeah. Especially because he has like life gain attached, so I'm I'm interested. Let's let's say at some point there's, there's it's gotta get there. 
I mean, I'm a little nervous that it's... This list is always going to be kind of dead to board sweepers, but... All right, is it back to you, my turn? Sorry, who's yeah, that? Yeah, sure, go ahead. I, I think so, that was me saying. Uh, so we didn't talk about the three-mana Chandra, so that's what I want to talk about, is the three-mana legendary Planeswalker at rare. She's got two zeros and a minus two at four-mana, although her zero is basically a plus one. It puts a loyalty counter on every red creature you control. She's got a zero that creates two red elemental tokens. Uh, they gain haste, and you can sac- you sacrifice them at the end of the turn. Or she can minus two to cast an instant sorcery spell from your graveyard that has cover amount of cost three or less, but you do pay for it. I think this card's actually really good. I think that it will slip right into the current versions of Atarka. It's really good with burn. It's really good as a way to crew copter. It's great on your curve. You know, if you go like one drop, two drop her, it feels great. And she is really mean against control. So... I really like this card. I think three mana is the right mana cost, and there's a lot of power here. See, I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum with this card, where I feel like, yeah, it sounds great when she's down ticking and her buying Atarka's Command, right? Um, but if you've yeah. cast your Atarka's Command already, um, they got to be pretty close to dead, and it doesn't really... I feel like it doesn't matter at that point. You're, any three drop is ready to close it. Well, then she's a four mana, four loyalty planeswalker that deals two damage every turn. Like you have to answer this; you can't just let it sit there. And if you're minus twoing and rebuying something like Light Up the Stage or Exquisite Firecraft, then she's really, really scary. Uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, see, why would we keep Exquisite Firecraft in our deck with uh, what's the card running around the? Uh... When you can discard a card and cast it from the graveyard. Oh, um, the risk factor? Yeah, yeah. If I feel like we should just be playing risk factor if we're playing um, f- three mana deal four at this point. Mm. So, I mean, that kind of negates her buyback to begin with, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't think she's bad. I think she's just like, she's a good option for at your three drop for Atarka among great options. Okay, okay. So, guys, i got about five minutes left. Mind if I choose one more and then I'll let yeah, you guys please do go the rest. Ahead. So, I think the, the last card I would like to talk about is Marauding Raptor. The 2-3, two, mm. two mana. Creature spells cost one less to cast. And whenever a creature enters the battlefield, it does two damage to it. And then if it's a, if it's a dinosaur, it's plus three, plus, plus zero. So, I think four of these... I don't know if you want to play four of these, though, because then it kills all your guys, right? That, that oh, was yeah. kind of where I settled on it, because at first I read this, I was like, what the... Expletive. Um, but, yeah. uh, and I thought, wow, this is so good. And then it's kind of like... It, it's also the kind of card you, you want to play on, too, every time. You just... Hmm. it you, you just... You want four of them, no matter what. Hmm. So... But if you start to populate your board with multiples, it just kills everything you cast. I mean, if it was a legendary... You, you basically have to treat it like it's a legendary creature, and there are some legendaries I'd play four of. Yeah, you're getting a good value, I think, when you're playing one or two. It's, it's kind of like... Uh, what was that black enchantment from Innistrad? You know, the minus two, minus two, and all... Heartless summonings. Kind of, kind of like that, but for red. That's that's kind of like my feeling. You know, you don't want to play more than three or four, because, you know, then you're just killing your creatures when they come out. But you're not really getting a lot of good value from them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I don't know this. if you can... You can't Sorry. really even play a third one or they'll kill it itself. I could see this in like some kind of Sarkhan's Unsealing deck. You know, you, you don't care if your creature dies. You just want to play all of these fatties and do like 7 damage, 7 damage, 7 damage. You just lost me. Uh, Sarkhan's Unsealing? Yo, What's Sarkhan's what Unsealing is Rotting Regisar? So, <laughs> Sarkhan's Unsealing is the 4-mana enchantment whenever <laughs> you play a creature with power 4 or greater. Yeah. I think it no four four to seven or something like it four to six it deals four damage to any target and then if you play a creature with power seven or greater it deals I think four damage to all targets. Yeah, yeah I, w- I was joking. It's a it's a yeah. four mana do nothing. It's a little heavy for me. <laughs> but like some kind of combo strategy with that. That's how I did. That's how I would all probably right. go around building. Well, Ryan, if you're running out the door, there's kind of two cycles. I think I'm going to go over with. Uh, maybe three cycles I'm going to go over yeah. here with uh, Matt before you run out. I'm going to talk about the color hosers, the like, protection creatures. Uh, I'm going to talk about the one-drop kind of cycle we have, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the colored artifacts. So if there's anything really big you want to say about any of those, say it now. Eh, I'm good. 
Okay, that's fine. We will uh, we'll catch up with you soon. We'll talk more about the set. Maybe we'll do a top five in another episode here. But I think Matt and I are going to round it out talking about a few more cards we think are worth mentioning. I think we got to do the top five today, Fink, me and you. Uh, we can't do that. We can't do it without Ryan. No, we got it. We, we can't finish an episode without a top five. Well, that's why they're going to be hyped. They're going to be like, I got to go watch the next episode because they're going to save yeah. their top five for the next I, one. You guys already had an hour, so if you want yeah, to finish yeah. out. I'm, I'm fine with cutting there. this and making it one episode. All right. I ain't happy about it. All right, why don't we talk a little bit about the one-drops, because I know you and me, we've been talking about Elvish Reclaimer a little bit. We've been talking, you know, Knight of the Ebon Legion is a card that interests me. There's also the one-drop Spirit, the 1-1 Flash that can draw you a card. I think that one's going right into Spirits. You know, they always wanted a second one-drop, now they've got it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fl- I mean, I guess here's the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty rare that we actually play one-mana one-ones that don't, like... They have to have, like, a pretty significant up upside, right? Like, we're talking, like, Monastery Swift Spear. Uh, what's the the artifact guy, the vehicles guy? The Bomat one? Courier, which Japan loves, and I can never get it to work. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it. they love it, but it's a mistake. I'm pretty sure they just... Oh, speaking of, let me send you this list of this uh, this list I was talking about just now. I'm just going to put it in our, in our group chat here. Awesome, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like... How valuable is Flash on your one drop, right? Um, yeah. I think it's okay. I'm kind of... I, I mean, Spirits probably will play it, but that's that's because yeah, with, it's... With eight Lords, it's pretty easy to play it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's great against Control. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, I think it's not going to see much play outside of Spirits, and that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, what do you think about the, the black one there, Knight of the Even Legion? I want it to work. I don't know if it has to be in a Vampire deck. Um, you know, Vampires actually already has a lot of good one-drops, so that that's tough for me, but I think it's a strong card. Like, it's a 1-2, which is a stat line that I like in Frontier, and it can get way bigger. Absolutely, and I think... I mean, that's... I guess my one problem is what deck wants this, though, right? Because, like, I think you don't really ever want to be pumping it. I mean, you don't want to be spending mana. Are you going to be a black-based... Are you going to be, like, a black-based Abzan deck? I mean, I guess you could be. I feel like it's but, better to be on... Uh, Thraben Inspector, if you're going to start shifting yeah. up your one-drops, um, and if you're in Abzan. But, I mean, at the same time, like, I I can't read this and be like, nah, it's a bad card. It, it, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, and then the last one I want to talk about is Elvish Reclaimer. Yes. So, what are you doing with this card? Because, like... Oh, my God. I don't know. You and I were both talking about this. We're like, what do we do with this card? It seems so good. It seems like it has to at least do something good because like um potential one mana three four for one mm-hmm. um especially if we're looking at uh fetch lands going to the graveyard pretty quickly uh, maybe pairing it with field of rune even um, yeah, but is there anything if you're playing in a deck that doesn't have i mean like are you gonna play this in a deck if you're never activating its ability i don't think so but i don't know like so I, me and you were talking earlier about how using this as like kind of a, a toolbox, right? So like we're mm-hmm. we're gonna fetch the desert that lets us kill their graveyard. We're gonna fetch um, blighted fan. We're gonna fetch. Ooh, you isn't know, there one that gives you first strike? You could do that mid combat. That's kind of interesting. Maybe there, there. I mean, there must be. There, there is. It's like a tap land that I think only taps for red, but it gives a creature like plus one, plus one first strike when it enters the battlefield. That's kind of interesting. I'm not, like, hmm. totally in love with that, because I feel like... But as one card in your 75, that's that might be playable. Yeah, yeah, it's not... I guess it's, like, that's the thing, because I keep thinking about all these things. There's things that are neat, but they all feel too fair. Hmm, yeah. But at the same time, like, it's just not that hard in Frontier to get three lands in your graveyard and have a one mana 3-4. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, any last-minute shout-outs you want to call? You know, Nightpack, Nightpack Ambusher, I know you and Amiya both said are good, is good. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I love Nightpack Ambusher. I actually, so, I guess since we're not doing our top five, I'm just going to say it. This is in my top okay, five. Good. Go for it, because um, I didn't really have a set list on. I have a set list, but this is in my top five. Um, at first, I kind of read it, and I didn't think it was going to be, it was it was good, but it wasn't, like, all that impressive. Um, but then I just started playing it, and it just, like, it just eats something. It always eats something. Flash is mm-hmm. so good. Uh, and if you don't, if it doesn't get killed instantly, it runs away with the game just so fast. Yeah, I mean, if you know, they pass you your turn, and then you come back with a set with seven power and toughness. 
Yeah, and it's just it, and especially so I've been playing it with uh, Spell Queller and Elvish Mystic, mm-hmm. and you just get like you get a Dork out, turn two to Fairy, turn three this, and then you just hold up Spell Quellers and Mystics forever, and it just oh, like, yeah. it just absolutely oh, so frilled Mystic, not Elvish Mystic. Sorry, sorry, yeah, that's right, yeah, frilled Mystic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just buries them so fast. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I like Barkhood Troll. Oh man, there's so much stuff. See, there's a lot of stuff that I think like we would mention. We don't have all that. To, we're making it a shorter episode this time. Uh, I want to call out maybe the one protection spell that I, I like here is the Apostle of Purifying Light, the 2-1 pro-black. You can pay two to exile a card from a graveyard. Yeah, I like that too. It's, it seems like it's good against like good enough against control decks that they'll have a hard time answering it while also you know being really annoying if they've got like a Gear Hulk. Um, but more importantly, I feel like the Humans deck was... It, it was it, Humans deck is great right now. And I think one of its weaker matchups is against Dredge, and this is so good against Dredge because this can just can't really be blocked. It can eat a Gurma, or it can it can stop a Gurmag Angler. It can stop any of their big creatures, and it's just nasty, like so nasty. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I guess my problem with that is, can humans afford to be losing the tempo of just like spending two killing Dredge's graveyard all the time? Like, because Dredge is still just going to be like, eventually they're just going to vomit their hand, right? I think that you probably can. You know, the fact that you've got clues, you've got collected company, it's not unreasonable to hold up four mana and have Coco or two activations of this. All right, all right. You've, you've sold me. I do and wanna... considering, I think, in, I think in my Humans Coco, I was playing the spirit that you can exile to get rid of graveyards before. Like, this seems like it's just a strict upgrade there. All right, that's fair. Yeah, if you're talking about sideboard especially, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I want to kind of back up to Barkhide Troll. Um, yes. <laughs> so is this is this the green two drop we've been waiting for? Maybe. I think maybe. I mean, I don't think it is. I'll be honest. I think it's, it's like it's probably not. Yeah. It, you know, it doesn't I think have it's, lasting value. I think it's playable. I think it is. Like it's it's like a but it's more of a beatdown card, right? Yeah, it is. Um, so I think that's okay. Um, it doesn't grow. It doesn't. I kind of like like the idea of it in scales. Yes, I definitely think it's good in scales. I think scales has gotten a few cards. That's where I'm interested in, like, this. That's why I was saying I'm interested in Vivian in scales. I think Vivian's just, like, if you shouldn't be going to four mana in scales, in my opinion. That's... It's, it's a fast aggro deck, you know? Yeah. So it's, is there anything, it's curve topper. Yeah, is there anything else we need to talk about here? I think that's a reasonable... You know, we'll, we'll realize something later, we'll tell it and be like... Oh, I just realized oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we found out this card just spiked up to ninety dollars. We we totally called that it was good. <laughs> so here's actually one thing I want to know: How can we make scheming symmetry unfair? Oh, that's the black one, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's one mana sorcery. Two target players, each of them searches their library for a card, then shuffles the library and puts that card on top of it. Hmm. Yeah, because if you didn't follow the uh, the notes, that's actually part of a cycle here. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, that repeated reverberation. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're all ones that are like something dual. There's like the one that gets two creatures. There's the one that uh, I don't remember what all the other ones are. I'll, I'll look for them here quick as I'm going through the the list. As we don't really get one mana tutors anymore, so like mm-hmm. this is obviously like it's it's got a pretty strong balancing factor. But how do you yeah. build a deck that? Um, gets around that, right? How do you build a deck that makes that unfair? Hmm. Is there maybe like a prison kind of deck where we're shutting off their ability to do something? Like, Yeah, you know, this is card disadvantage, so it does have to be something really good. Um, I mean, there's a couple of ways to mill a little bit. You could be playing something like Ashiok. That doesn't seem amazing. Hmm. I mean, if we're looking at like a toolbox deck, right? So if we're going... yeah. If we're against, say, Dredge, right? Or sorry, if we're not against... If we're just, like, toolboxing it out and we know Ashiok is how we're going to mess up Dredge. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems fine to fetch her, right? Because it like, almost doesn't matter what they're going to what they're gonna fetch. Yeah, that's they, true. Um, I don't know how much a toolbox is going to work out for us, just, like, in the, in the grand scheme of Frontier, but... Maybe we can play this and, like, play it with Teferi and then play Endstep and get Emrakul... And then you get to use the card they put on top. I'm into it. So we're going to play like an Esper, Esper Delirium? Let's do it. I, All right, let's could, make what that What could happen. go wrong? Okay, we'll one last next one. Next to Sultai Vehicles as like top of tier. Last one is Brineborn Cutthroat. 
Ooh, okay, is that one blue? So it's, it's two one? mana, one colorless, one blue for a 2-1 flash. Okay, whenever you yeah. whenever you cast a spell during an opponent's turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Brineborn Cutthroat. Uh, yeah. I don't so, have anything to do with this yet. <laughs> yeah, I haven't tested it yet, but it seems like, it seems pretty undeniably strong, right? Like, flash, and then it's going to grow out of control. Um, both of those are just really strong abilities on a two drop. I'll give it a shot. See what it can do. I feel like if we're gonna, if we were looking at kind of grabbing the mono blue tempo deck right at a standard, mm-hmm. this is this is one I'd be I'd be interested in looking at. Okay. All right. So what are you gonna go back and build right now? Now that we've talked about a bunch of cards. Oh, that's really hard, <laughs> man. That's fair. It's a fair question. I think I want to go back and see if I could do a uh, a spirits deck without green. Try try copter instead. I mean, I'm prob- probably I'm just going to keep playing Bant Flash with Nightpack Ambusher. It's just it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, have a good time. Yeah, that's that's a good deck. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us the end of the episode here. So anyone who wants to reach out to us, you can find us at MTG Frontier on Twitter, on Instagram, or MTGFrontier.net is our website. Uh, Ryan's gone, but he also has another podcast, and you can find him at thejapanhobbyist.com. Oh, that's you me. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You can you can find me on Twitter or something. I don't know. That sounds fun. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. It's been a great one. We always love talking about the new cards. This is Kevin Finkel, and this was Magic the Final Frontier. We keep our listeners up to date with what is new, powerful, and interesting in the world of Frontier and Historic. Your Final Frontier, signing off. <laughs>